0: and welcome to the american scousers monday podcast i am your host timuchin as always joined by the gang over here blocking pep with his big head is bickler bickler what's happening man yeah there we go there's pep waving
1: (laughs) yes i would never intentionally block pep just because he would be waving frantically and smack me in the face repeatedly
0: and with us is, fresh from the fan fest, where he did this like celebrity tour around the place, is Gally. Gally, what's happening?
2: What's happening? I wouldn't go that far. I'd say I walked around the place and basically did what the dictator told me to, which was talk about American Scouser as much as anyone would listen.
0: <laughs> I like how this shit all comes back to me at the end, but hey, it's good times, good times. Well, finally, we're having a happy Monday over here. Uh, There's a lot to talk about the game and, you know, the lineup, tactics, certain things, performances. So we'll get to it all. But first off, even before we get to the lineup and everything like that, Bickler, let's start with you. Tell me, like, your biggest takeaway from this game. Uh, My biggest takeaway from this game is, like...
1: uh, I don't know what to make of this team anymore because, I mean, I had this all down to just dead legs and dead hearts, which wasn't going to be a quick fix. Um, so, they that being said, they came out like 10 of the 11 players, I thought, had their best game that we've seen in like over a year, which mm-hmm. is just crazy for – like it'd be one thing if one of them hit, right? Like if, if like – if just one of them came out and had the game of their lives with the fact that all of them seemed to hit, it's like, it was, just, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to think of it. It was like best case scenario. And I'm certainly not complaining about it, but it does like, it does like leave me scratching my head. Um, the other thing that I take away from it is that mode needs to be in front of goal at all times forever until the wheels come off
0: officially. How about you, Gally? Like, biggest takeaway from the game?
2: So I think I, I'm kind of with Paul. I, I don't know exactly what to make of it. I think the biggest takeaway is is that these these players, one, have been reading and listening. You know, they all claim they don't listen to the radio and they don't listen to blogs and they don't read the internet, right? And then every one of them can basically tell you all the things said about them all the time. So Van Dyke goes into the press conference talking about how we've been bad, but I don't think we've been as bad as you're all saying, how bad are we now? Like they're clearly they were hearing it. They were hearing it inside the locker room. They were hearing it uh, in meetings and they came out with that sense of urgency that we've all been waiting to see each week after, after the next disappointment. Right. And then we'd be like, well, we're going to get a result here and then kick forward. Now, I'm not going to be as cynical as Paul and uh, drop the 2-2 West Ham call 15 (laughs) seconds after the final whistle. Fucking bastard. I almost spit up my butt heavy, actually, um, at that fan fest when I read that and then giggled and then had to show Kelly the comment from Megan saying, please don't ever change. And I thought that was the second best comment of the whole day. Um, But I do think there is still something about, like, this is a step forward for a really good side. Um, There were a lot of really, really great things that happened on the pitch. I know we're going to talk about a lot of them, but there were some bad things too. And I think we have to get into those. Um, But on the day they showed up, they played arguably the best side in the world and they played them off the pitch by playing better than them, having better tactics than them, and making better adjustments than them. So I think uh, that to me was the big thing that stuck out to me. Once again, Pep showed up in a big spot probably could have stuck the actual dagger into this side for this calendar year. And they couldn't because he tinkered and he got away from all the things that made them really good for the first seven weeks of the year. And I appreciate him for that over and over.
0: I mean, I think that was my, uh, the biggest takeaway for me was the fact that that the team that we want and we're used to seeing is still somewhere in there. It is not dead. It can be resurrected. Uh, And, I don't know. And it felt like when the focus is there, we can be a lot more like a lot better defensively. And it's all about this team kind of getting their heads back together and getting their focus back together. All those injuries and stuff like that would, you know, obviously take a toll and have an effect on it being tired and stuff like that. But when push comes to shove, when they're kind of cornered, this team still has the character and the quality to do performance like that, I guess, was my biggest takeaway. So I want to go into the lineup and then, you know, proceed that way. But I sense this immense relief from both of you guys, especially Gally, because I was mentioning the trivia to him before the podcast. And he was like, oh, don't worry about it. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk yeah. about, but there's always goddamn time for trivia, people. And I did not get one submitted that's like, you know, technologically advanced and complicated. So I'm going with the simple route. But this means bring out your pen and paper because there's going to be a lot of math involved over here. Liverpool versus West Ham. They have met. uh, This is going to be, I mean, freaking Bickler couldn't get 18 together last time. So this is going to be. Hold on. Let me find an old builder right on. (laughs) 145 times they have played each other since 1901, January 5th, 1901. Was the first game, and we beat their ass one zero. Uh, but since then, total of games played one hundred and forty five. What is our record versus West West Ham, Bickler? I know you got this. Go. Yeah, dude. One hundred
1: forty five.
0: when we couldn't do
1: that. we couldn't do the math on like we couldn't do the math on like twelve games last week. It was one hundred and forty five this week. <laughs>
0: That's Um, why get a win number and then work your way backwards.
1: Yeah, let's just – like we're going to get these wrong just because we're going for nice even numbers for simple math. Um, Yeah, I'm going to – I'm genuinely taking out a piece of paper.
0: No, I kind of figured you guys would. You said one forty. See, the Polish prince, that European education, (laughs) he cranked up the numbers right away. 86, 42, and 17, he says.
1: That's just some probably some the fucking inseam on one of his jackets.
0: <laughs> that is wrong. Because that's that'd be a brutal inseam. Uh, <laughs> okay. Do we have uh, answers? This is like freaking like I feel like Jeopard. Okay, everybody got their answers in. ah, uh, <laughs> uh, I knew this math was going to be extremely complicated, but I I was gonna go with it all the way. No, I got it, I'll
1: make it super easy. Shoot. Uh I'm going to go... 140 and 5. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to make it super, super simple. I'm going to go 105 wins, 20, 20 draws, 20 losses. I know that's probably way off. It 105, 20, Yep.
2: All right. Cool, thanks. Well, we, got, we got a 145. <laughs> yeah. This is so ridiculous.
0: Okay, Bickler. Yes, we got 145. All games of all time. I'm guessing...
2: I, I'm not going too far off Matus, but he's given, if that's 42 losses, or is that draw? Because I'm, I'm, that's way too many losses. We didn't lose to West Ham 40 times out of 145. There's there was a good 20 years, I don't think they beat us. I'm going to go 83, 27, and
0: 35. Ah, pretty darn close. A lot closer than our friend Bickler over here. 79 wins, 37 draws, and 29 losses all the time. And see, Allen says, damn, I missed the trivia. Well, it took approximately five minutes for these guys to do the math, Alan. So 145 games against West Ham, 79 wins for Liverpool, 37 draws, and 29 wins for West Ham. I'm hoping on Wednesday we're going to make that 80. That was a lucky ass guess, but I would
2: say that that's not pretty goddamn close. You asked for a hundred and forty-five and a and a thing, and I was three off on wins and two off in each direction on losses and draws. How is that
1: freaking not on? You just gave me no credit. You <laughs> I aim bitch, I'm re- for perfection, Galley. Now we know the mind. person that after the Man City match just posted about Nunez not passing. <laughs> basically yeah Yeah, (laughs) exactly
0: oh all right
2: don't worry allison had clean hair we're all good
0: yes that guy is full of uh gems over there i wonder if he's part of the audience if he is he should comment so we can just make fun of him live on air as well okay so let's start with the lineup galley we'll start with you i mean we kind of like slightly touched up on the pre-match you see this lineup and you're like (laughs) yikes uh especially for like the right side of defense um like Gomez, Milner, Elliott's in that area. It was a concern, and you figured, hey, if they're going to attack that, you figure they're going to attack that side on this team. Uh, initial thoughts, and how do you think it's ended up panning out so well?
2: Um, it, it came so well because Joe Gomez played like the class defender that we saw two years ago during the title-winning campaign. Um, for me, he was he was the best player on the pitch. He won man of the match. I thought he was great. And James Milner turned back the clock. I mean, he put in a shift going forward, backwards. He supported Fabinho. Um, You know, I I paused and I kind of forgot it. The thing that jumped out at me actually about the match watching it, you asked that question earlier. I was really um, pleased with the Fabinho and Thiago two-man midfield. And for that, like, I honestly think it was kind of a, a precursor to what Jordan Henderson might see moving forward, which is a little bit less time on the pitch because I really feel that Tiago and Fabinho looked a better pair in the double pivot than Henderson has looked with either Fabinho or Tiago since we've made this move. Um, and honestly, Harvey, Paul and I are critical of him at times. He played great. And more importantly than anything, and Curtis Jones, If you're listening, and you should be, because God knows you ain't on the goddamn soccer pitch doing nothing these days. If you are listening, take something from Harvey Elliott, because what Harvey Elliott did in that first 45 minutes was learn how to fit into the moment when the moment is really big. And he didn't want to be the star. He just wanted to be one of the shining pieces in the process, and I think he was. I thought he was really, really great, and some of his moves were really insightful. And I think it's, um, it's really exciting to see him making an impact on the right, because to Paul's point, whether it is Nunez on the pitch, whether it is Bobby, whether it is Carvalho, we're going to need Mo playing through the middle because he looked different and he looked energetic. And I think from back to front, every single line played better than they have in the last month. And I'm happy, Jamie, that Curtis is back in training. Yeah, Jamie says Curtis is back
0: in training, so he's probably sleeping right now. Won't be able to listen to this live. He'll be listening first thing in the morning to hear about that. And I think both (laughs) Elliott and Jutta, I think, did a lot of defensive work, which obviously helps. So, uh, like, moving forward, I want to kind of ask about that. But, Bickler, let's come to you over there. You're Mr. Disaster Scenario, so I'm sure when you saw this, uh, you probably – had a heart attack, seen that lineup. You were already afraid. I guess it wasn't your worst case scenario of Fab playing center back. So you should have been slightly happy for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, happy for that for sure. I mean, we all, I think we all collectively saw the right side of this lineup and looked at Foden, who's been arguably one of the hottest young talents in the Premier League the last six weeks running and thought this was like set up for disaster from the get um it was i think i think this is by far our best formation like i don't even care that Jurgen klopp calls it a four-four-two. is by far our best formation and uh i think it plays to the strengths of all these players because i think fabinho obviously can play a holding role i think tiago is better recessed like i think he's better further back um because he has more time and space to, to dictate and make those long switches um I think with Henderson, it suits his legs uh, right now to, to be further back. Um, so I think across the board, this is our best formation. I thought, like, to to Gally's point about Harvey, like, what's interesting about Harvey is he's almost the opposite in Nunez. In, in, Nunez, in the way that, like, both of these players are supremely talented with generational type talent ceilings. Right. But with Nunez, I think he's so, he's been so used to bearing the, the goal load for teams that he's been mm-hmm. on that he's a shoot first striker. And we knew that, like we knew that, like he, he, that's what he does. And that's what you want with him. My problem that I've had with Harvey is he looks like a boy playing in a man's game who wants Like when that situation happens, a lot of times players want to make sure all the masks around them are fed. And so like he always looks like he's looking for Mo or he's looking for Bobby or he's looking for an outlet when his best move a lot of times is to have confidence in his own ability and take people off the dribble and make space. And I thought that's what he did. I thought he did a really, really smart combination of having really good positioning, finding the man, but also having confidence and knowing that like, his if he's always looking for somebody else we're playing we're playing 10 on 11 and i think like he did a really good job of owning his space in like taking men off the dribble and then finding space and finding those runs and finding those outlets so it was really good to see him have that confidence to start taking people off the dribble again i thought that was a difference maker in this game i thought collectively in general what i really liked about the team is like they mitigated risk when it wasn't there, they booted it out of bounds. When it yeah. wasn't there, they dumped it out of dangerous spots. They didn't try to play out of the back when it wasn't there. They didn't try to pass it through people. They didn't try to hit the miracle ball. They played within themselves and were really smart. Like we didn't beat ourselves because we put ourselves in good opportunities. We didn't turn the ball over in bad spots. And we really mitigated risk from the first minute of kickoff all the way through the night. Mm. Yep.
0: And I think one of the things is when we cleared, we cleared it properly where we had time to resettle. Like it wasn't just mm. the clearance where, you know, they can reload and come back at you again. It was either a throw in where we can kind of settle down or it was way out there, you know, maybe a ball that Mo or Jota or somebody can't get to, but whatever we can reestablish our press, which like Boris says, you know, like our press had passion again. And, you know, I got to kind of like talk about that a little bit because I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the cynic in me, but uh, you know, it's, I want to be really happy seeing that, but at the same time, I want to say, you know, where was the focus before to have this press? Because this is pretty much, you know, it almost looked like you could definitely tell the squad was really up for this game. But let's get to this question first, because Bickler, I'm sure you know. So, uh, boys is asking Galley how the fan fest was. I don't know if you know Bickler, but. Uh, Gally was telling some of the stories in the post-match. There are still people today who have not washed their hands because they got to touch Gally at the fan fest and get pictures taken with him and stuff. So-, <laughs> so I'm sure they're like listen right now, like hand in the plastic bag.
2: Listen, like, I listen, those people, those people, those people had to spend a day and a half using porta potties if they haven't washed their hands. I am worried for the sanctity of the people, um, but. It was in a really, really interesting spot. I'll say this. I've been to three fan Fest. I went to Boston. It was Fenway Park. It was a beautiful backdrop. It was terribly constructed and horribly operated. I love Boston. I love Fenway. It was a terrible idea. It never worked. Not once. Miami, well, you're on South Beach, and it's kind of hard to even pay attention to the big, huge screen when South Beach is literally right there and people walking so by. you weren't looking and at it just-
0: like girls in bikinis couldn't focus? What are you saying? Mostly just I Kelly.
2: Though. <laughs> I wasn't going to say, I'm not sure if Kelly's awake right now. Um, if she is, then no, if she's not, well, we all know the answer. Um, but the Philly was really, really good. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, the only one better than Philly from what I hear uh, from the people who go to all of them was New York. Um, but there's a big reason. New York's was basically at a media building in a Mecca of a media center. So they had all the gadgets and all the tools and everything was free. So let's just be totally honest. The food, the drinks, everything was free. Where now they realize you can't do that. Um, I will say this. Good on the EPL. I went out. We were late Friday night out. We got in a little late Saturday. So we didn't even get in by the beginning of the Leicester match. Probably took about an hour to stand in line and get through security. We decided to actually get up at 5 a.m. and get in line. And we, on Sunday... And we still waited an hour and 20 minutes to get in. And at 1030, they had a line a block and a half around the largest city hall in all of America. I mean, there was literally 4,000 people turned away that didn't get in that had tickets because it was so packed. So good on the EPL for putting this on. Really good on uh, the Premier League for the way they do it. Um, they, They make room for kids. They make sure the kids are taken care of with all the fun stuff. They jet them up to the front of the lines. They, Ooh, do, not yeah, give them, they do not, they do not give them free t-shirts. They do not <laughs> give them free jerseys. And they make them pay for that. Uh, shit. Um, I thought you'd mention no. they'd
0: be like, There's a bunch but of little kids running around. It was horrible.
2: I, was, I, I gotta be honest, I was really disappointed in myself because I saw a guy who's who held up a sign that said, I carpooled someone get buy me a beer. And I was like, How do I not have a sign right now that says, <laughs> Can I please have like asking Rebecca Lowe for like her shirt or like Tim Howard for his tie or something. Like, how am I not holding up a sign? Um, But uh, we missed that boat, but it was, it was a great time. And I will say this, of all of the people I met and I met a lot of famous people there um, Ian Wright is as cool to talk to for five minutes on the side of like, I'm sorry, Boaz, but on the side of like a dirty street in Philadelphia as, Anyone, no, I'm serious. As any dude I've ever bumped into, he was funny. He was engaging. He didn't big time it. He didn't act like he was super cool. Alan Shearer walked around with security around him. Literally. He didn't want to get anywhere near anyone. And Ben Foster, Ben Foster is the coolest human being that's ever walked on the planet. He was literally hanging out with ladies and taking their phones and doing the selfie with their phone because his arms are longer. And like getting low with little kids. And like he was awesome. And he never once went up behind the security levels. He just walked around with the people the entire two days. And I know they don't pay these guys that much money. You know what I mean? So for them to come here and do that, I think it's pretty cool. And uh, for all the people out there. All those, yeah. Well, his fantasy team is doing really well. He liked telling everybody about it. He was literally walking around. He's the only person there to talk more about his fantasy team than me. Um, (laughs) No wonder you
1: liked
2: him. He was was cool. No, I got to be honest. He was was literally like a regular dude you'd grab beers with. And, like, he was drinking beers and, like, having a good time. Um, There were a lot of really good things happening there. So good job to Philly. They did a good job hosting. They gave it a great backdrop. It was a fun time.
0: Nice. Uh, hopefully, we'll make the next one Bickler, and then really scare people off because uh, we sent the guy. No, no, not Bickler. I, I can not think it's Bickler good for 5 business. Five AM in the morning either. in line. I would not want. There's, there's no
1: reason we send Galley to these things. I don't think it's good for <laughs> business to send me.
2: Well, I will say this: when the lady came up to me and I handed her the coaster, and the first thing she said was, "Was like, <gasps> I listened to this podcast, and I was like." Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm one of the admins I'm thank sorry. You for listening. So I said to her, I go I go, I go, I go, thank you. I go, thank you. We appreciate you listening. She goes, No, I I, I really, really like it. I, I think the guys really are good together. I was like, I paused and I was like, I'm Gally. And she was like, Except you. No.
0: <laughs> no. And like,
2: literally, Kelly literally was like, Kelly looked right at her and was like, No, please don't. And she was like, Kelly, can I have a Will you take a picture? And Kelly just looked at me and was like, I can't believe we're dealing with this now. And then this guy comes up to me and he's in their group too. And he's like, she told me you're here. And that was the guy who was like, Tim runs a great show and Bickler's hilarious. And you're just fucking crazy. And I was like, (laughs) all sounds right to me.
0: Except, you know, being funny, I don't know. Uh, nah, he's
2: funny. <laughs>
0: Look at him. No, that's not like, great stories to hear. And thanks a lot to all those supporting the podcast, listening to it. Uh, as always, give us a like, share the whole works. Uh, the more shares we get, I think getting the word out uh, because we can only send galley to so many places. And we should sure. throw
2: a shout out, like a quick shout out, literally to the um, official Liverpool Supporters Club of Philadelphia. They did an amazing job. They had a meet and greet Friday night at multiple of their bars. They had um, Jason McAtee signing at one of their bars at 5.30 on Saturday night, and then they got over 100 of their members into this thing on Sunday, and they were there representing with their scarves. Um, OLSC in Wilmington, also, they were the ones who, you know, wanted to autograph some pictures with the podcast team. Um, But they they genuinely were there in droves. And then finally, um, a good friend of ours, someone we had on the podcast in the past, the OLSC of – the Jersey shore. Oh, you know, yeah. they, they were great. They talked about how much it helped them when they came on the podcast with Tim years ago, um, how much they appreciate us having them on their map and how they hear from people regularly that they found them. Cause New Jersey is a place people go on trips, business trips. You're on vacation. You're in Atlantic city. So these people have found them because of our site. And it was really cool. And you know, if it's free, it's for me. And I got myself another official Liverpool supporter scarf. So, Shameless plug there, too. Ah, that's why the
0: shameless plug is there in the first place. Now, the plot thickens, Bickler. But, no, those are, like, great things to hear. And, yeah, I mean, like I say, that's what kind of, like, keeps us going. It's a – I mean, we're all volunteers. And if anybody wants to join the gang and, you know, whether it's on our YouTube channel or the website, writing, social media, whatever, just let us know. I mean, we're all volunteer-based, except Bickler. uh, We have to pay him because he's – It's court-ordered for me,
1: man. It's not volunteer. It's (laughs) court-ordered.
0: right we at least tell bickler is volunteer because he's the only one not getting paid but uh so okay but yeah it's great to hear hopefully we can uh, make one soon together you said the next one isn't orlando is that confirmed or Look, is that there was a lot of rumors in
2: the there was a lot of rumors but i was i mean i was in there in a little bit uh you know the inner circles of this group talking to their social media people so i actually believe it might be true i think it's orlando hopefully in january um Not a bad time for a long weekend in Orlando. But then again, you know, we'll see if that is actually where it ends up getting dropped. But I heard it's going to be on the East Coast for sure because L.A. was an absolute collapse and failure, Um, maybe because people had to get in line at 3 a.m.
0: Yeah, instead sort of five. Yeah, that, I can see that. But yeah, it says Bickler is on 400,000 a week. Yeah, that took a long time before we signed them to that extension. Yeah, but-
1: somebody's clearly never seen what happens when this backdrop behind me goes away. <laughs> I was going to say, it is... You know, they, they don't make the last two minutes of the post like, show
0: where it falls. You see this under a bridge? Like, yeah, it's I wish we had recorded that, but this has happened twice now for those listening out there or watching us. Is like, that a grocery cart Like, literally, the moment we finished the podcast and we were like, oh, okay, that went good and stuff, the entire background of Bigler collapsed. And, like, <laughs> it, was, it was put together by like, glue or something. The whole thing. Just comes and this has happened twice, so it is. De- he is definitely not getting four hundred thousand. I almost feel like investing back in the business. It, it's half <laughs> because
2: the sh- it's half because the shit's about to fall apart. The other half is is that the thing is literally under his chair so that it will stay in frame. So if Bickler moved right now or like Ada Pringle the table would probably <laughs> fall over and the thing would come down behind him because
1: there is exactly about as much room as there is in front of it. You know, it's there. really a good representation of my entire life, to be quite honest. <laughs> just barely hanging on.
0: Okay. Uh, oh, good that's stuff, enough, guys. That's enough Thanks for asking. That's for another five minutes or so. We'll get back to it shortly, but... <laughs> Let's get back to this lineup over here. Bickner, earlier you said 10 out of 11, name names. Who was the person you thought did not have their best game? Bobby? Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. 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 I also felt like Bobby kind of turned back the clock. Like where he like, you know, he's been like banging the goals in right. And I think he looked at this match or like, I mean, I'm sure there's a conversation, right? But like, I also think he was just like, I right, dude classic Bobby. I'm essentially a midfielder. I'm gonna sink into this back this like this double pivot. I'm gonna sink back here out of possession. And then he was just the basically the catalyst for counters, which is like classic Bobby.
0: Yep. So Gally, let's get back to what I was talking about earlier. And yep. you tell me, I mean, should we be should we be concerned? Where is Adam? I might want you to need it on. Should we be concerned or worried that, you know, this effort is there and the focus is there when they really want it, but we do not see it game in and game out, or did they just need a game like this to get that taste back? And we will see this come Wednesday, for example, against West Ham as well.
2: So I I'd have to answer that as like, you know, you're not going to love the answer because it is like a 50, 50 it's, It is a piece of that. They definitely needed the team to get up for. I think they got up for Arsenal. I don't think they had the right players on the pitch, and it didn't tactically work. So I think they were up for that match, and I think at times we talked about it last week that we saw a much improved and better quality performance For a good portion of that match, you know, not the first minute or the last minute of the first half or, you know, those kind of 20 minutes they dominated in the second, but there were pockets of that match where I felt like we were on our way back. You can't get out of that sitting match and not feel like what you just saw was that performance that we got so accustomed to seeing what 58 out of 63 times in the last year and a half or last calendar year when we were in our last campaign. So I think there is a little bit of that. I also think the manager's stubbornness to not change the formation earlier in the season. This is, you know, I do think when you make changes and players see positives from it, it breathes life into the team. I said it last year when they made the Diaz signing, I thought buying Diaz told everyone in the room, we aren't good enough to win everything. And we care so much about you, we went out and got more players. And I think it brought the team exactly what they needed. I think Klopp making this formation change and maybe acknowledging a little bit of his of this fault on him, that some of this is on me for being stubborn in my ways, not just for what I've asked these men to do, um, I think is really, really probably getting overlooked in all this uh, because Klopp made his own headlines for the weekend. So I don't think he's going to get any credit for the tactics because of how the match ended for him. He once again pants Pep Guardiola in a big spot in front of everyone. And I I just, that doesn't get overlooked. But all of this goes for nothing if they don't put in a performance on Wednesday. This has to be followed up with three points and a solid performance at home on Wednesday for me, for this to be like a a real step forward.
0: Yeah, Jamie says that we had the players fit to play this week earlier. I think we did. I Probably the players we had fit was probably better suited for the system than the system we were trying to play and kept insisting on doing. But here's the thing, though, Bickler. Like, this system where we were talking about kind of, like, playing it safe, like, defensive safety first, and then you rely on, like, your front four over there to be able to get something eventually either on a counter or, you know, you re- you know like a through ball to Mo and stuff like that, will work against a team like City who is going to come, you know, attacking... And they're not going to sit back when we play against a team that tries to do a low block and is totally happy with, you know, you guys want to sit back there. We'll sit back over here and then we'll just watch like 90 game, 90 minutes of four on four, like or four against eight uh, soccer happening. How do we tweak that? How do we tweak this lineup to make it work against a team like West Ham, who's more than likely going to be content with the points and going to try to hit us on the counter? I just think aside from the pieces that we have fitting this formation better, I think
1: it's a less predictable formation because you have the ability to essentially have four attackers. And that's not to say with a four, three, three, we didn't do that at times, but I just think you have a lot more interchangeable pieces at that 10 spot in this team, depending on who you're playing that you can play with. Right? Like if you're not, if you're not concerned, if you're not concerned about necessarily triggering counters, You can move Bobby out and you can put somebody like Harvey or Carvalho at the 10 spot um, and basically start playing triangles through there that look a little bit different than crossing them in from the wide areas. So I think you have the better ability to sort of attack through the middle in this formation if you want to. Um, But I also think there's less predictability because of how you can have runners from the mids in this formation
0: coming up through the middle of this pitch. So where does that put Galley? I mean, do you agree with that first? And then obviously now, how do you change this? Because Trent is going to be available. And I don't know, like, for example, if this system of playing it safe would have worked with Trent.
2: Yeah, the the Trent conundrum to me is a little bit confusing, honestly. I didn't see any reason to have him on the bench yesterday. If he was fit enough for the bench, I would have thought he would have played. If he was fit enough to play, I would have thought he would have started. If he had... 20 minutes in his legs, I would have thought he would have played 20 minutes. Even bringing him in as late in the match as they did and then playing him on the right wing, which is just like kicking all the Liverpool supporters who have been asking to move him forward in the nuts a little bit. Um, and don't put that past Jurgen for one goddamn second. Um, you know, so I don't know, but I do know that they deliberately and instinctively stayed back more. You could see it the whole match. They were looking to hit on counters. They were looking to play more like they did in 2018 than they did even in 2021, right? I don't know that it'll work with Trent, but it worked once with Trent. So it could if he applies himself to it. I also think having a Gomez or a Kanate next to him in that pace helps him a little bit as well. Because let's be honest, Gomez did bail Milner out a couple times at different moments. So I I think that it's going to be interesting Wednesday. For me, and I know we'll get to the lineup in the preview of the West Ham match, but for me, if he was fit enough to come in as a sub, he's fit enough to play, and therefore he's got to start this match against West Ham, right? Like, in my mind, that's how I'm thinking. But because I just can't see rolling James Milner out there 72 hours that's later. Thing, I know yeah. we believe he is a machine and, you know, doesn't age and is like, you know, fine red wine and like literally all the adjectives and all the little adverbs you could say about him. But the truth is, he's probably the one suffering the most right now trying to recover from the 90 minutes of hell he gave you know, City yesterday. So I, I don't know that he's ready to play by Wednesday. So I think Trent comes right back into this lineup. And I think that's a big call to deviate from how we just played. But West Ham is going to come at us a little bit with the way they play now. They don't just sit back and hold. You know, they look to possess the ball a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if we're able to keep it up with not only Trent coming back in, but not having Jota on the pitch. And I would argue, once again, not scoring. That was the best I saw Jota play all year long for, you know, for as long as he did play. And a lot of talk about him not scoring since the last time we played City. You know, let's be real here. Mo had a great game. He also should have squared the ball twice to Jota and he should have had two tap ins. Um, Jota's performance deserved a goal, in my opinion, yesterday. And it was too bad that, you know, he gets stretchered off and there's a good chance he might miss the World Cup. I'm sure we'll get to that topic too, but it was kind of came almost part and parcel with the idea of bringing Trent in and losing Jota because I almost felt like in that match, we saw what Jurgen Klopp's vision for Diego Jota is in this side, especially with Louis Diaz being
0: out. Yeah, I mean, I, he did a lot of good defensive work, a lot. I mean, him and Elliott on both wings. I think that gets overlooked. And, you know, and mm-hmm. I, here's another thing. It was great to have Robertson there and his pace and his work rates. It was great to have. I know he got caught out of position a couple of times when he pushed forward. But, man, his speed and his – I think the threat of him making that line, that run to the line... Is something that we missed when somebody has the mm. ball on the left wing. You do not get that from Costas. Costas would rather stick by the line and try to like cross that ball in. Whereas Robertson is more eager to keep running and go down to the line and at least take a defender with him. So it was definitely great to have him. I think that's got you know that got overlooked a little bit, uh, because of the overall performance. But I think it was huge having him back there. So let me ask you this, and we'll go. Bickler, and then we'll go back to this whole passing thing as well because obviously that's going to bring Nunez into the conversation with Trent. I mean, do you feel? I mean, obviously, it's speculative, but you think we would play just as well if Trent was in there instead of Milner yesterday defensively?
1: <laughs> I can't say that because of how well James Milner's played. You know well, that's mean? it, yeah. That I think you know, the, the answer right. before. The lineup. If you saw the lineup card, I think we'd all want Trent in there, right? But I mean, Milner was so good. Like in Gomez was so good, and I mean, we talked about Robertson. I think the thing that stuck out to me about Robo like he's been out for so long. The thing that I had forgot forgotten about him is how much pace he has. Like we mm-hmm. just don't really we don't really talk about it very often. He's got a ton of pace. And I just thought, like it was at times, it was almost game-changing pace. And you don't like we've never really talked about that part of Rabo's game because he's got so much there, and he's such a workhorse. That was really, really um, noticeable to me. And I thought, you know, it was just the cumulative performance. Like Van Dyke looked like Van Dyke for the first time since pre-injury, since the first time since pre. Like that's the first time he's looked like pre-Pickford, like. And um, I mean, the timing couldn't have been better. I think in retrospect, when you look at this lineup, when you look at a four, two, three, one, if Miller can consistently get that kind of performance, he's going to be better than Trent in that tactical formation. But he can't Trent is a generational. He, he, yeah. A, he can't. And, and B Trent is a generational talent. And I don't think you keep that off the pitch. I think, a lot of what people are critical on Trent on, I think, has to do with how the system is set up. And it does make him look like he's out of position when somebody doesn't come back and get covered on that side. And so I think he's been a victim of that. That being said, we've questioned the effort this year. And that, that is unmistakable. Like you, can't, you, you can question positioning if you're looking at tactics. You can't question a player who's walking back when his team is getting countered on his side yes so mm-hmm. if he could clean that up if that's tired legs if he can come back and be trent i'd love to see him in this formation because i think he's still like one of the best right backs on planet Earth.
0: and that was probably like the frustrating thing as you watch the game when you see the work rates it just can't be freaking tired legs i think it's more of about mindset than anything else they were really up for this game they knew to even have a shot in this game that they needed to put in that full effort and focus. And they did, which, you know, while it's great to see and you hope it continues, it also part of me says, man, where was this before? I mean, maybe that Rangers game was a turning point afterwards, but I'm hoping this will almost be a better <sighs> bullets in the gun where he says, this is what it takes. This is what you guys can do. And if we do this, if we can do this to City, then we can do this to any team. I think it should be the simple message. But so let's get to two main talking points uh, in the game. Number one, Mr. Anthony freaking Taylor. Uh, what do you make of the refereeing? I mean, I think everybody in the world except Micah is agreeing that Holland's was a foul, and you we could discuss which foul was worse—the initial foul on Fab or the one on Alisson, but I thought that was... You never trust VAR, otherwise, if you look at that, I was like, well, if they don't call this, they got to call that kind of a deal. But what do you make of the overall refereeing, the whole Mo Salah wrestling, the whole shebang there, Yowie?
2: So I think the refereeing was poor. I think he tried to let them play. I, I genuinely do. I don't think he wanted to give out early cards. He didn't want to... You know, he didn't want to send off players. Like, he genuinely wanted to let the players decide the match. And I think I've said this on the podcast before. And then Anthony Taylor at some moment goes all Anthony Taylor on himself. And he tries to not call fouls for 60 minutes out of tactical, you know, not calling these fouls and letting play happen. And then he always seems to just insert himself into the storyline by then making a big call, correct, incorrect. Now, I'm less critical on Anthony Taylor than most people are because I believe that the English refs are the absolute worst. And though I don't love him refing our matches, I'd say on the whole, when I see him ref big matches, he's consistent in the way he calls it for most, most of the times. And he's the only ref, I think I've seen him three different times, get called over to the monitor and not change his calls and actually stand up for his own calls on the pitch. And he actually calls plays and then lets VAR get involved, where I think some of the refs eat the whistle and let VAR bail them out. Here's the thing about the Holland thing. I would have had less. I actually am more on the side of Maka. Not that I don't think it was a foul. I think it was a foul on Fab. I think that the phase of play should have been changed. The moment Allison touches the ball by the letter of the rules, Allison gets his hand on the ball. Therefore the phase of play is over. A Liverpool player has touched the ball because last week. And then in, in the West Ham match, they keep Antonio's goal that everyone in the world thought was getting chopped off for a handball. But the reason was, was because the goalie made a save and therefore it's a new phase of play. It was six seconds. This was like 20 seconds, two passes. Now, I do think it was a foul on Holland, uh, on Allison, because he has. we saw it last year with the Schmeichel thing. You get a pinky on the ball. You put your nose on the ball, a lip on the ball. You have control. So I I, I think VAR needed to chalk that goal off. But once again, I think England's application of VAR is criminal. And we shouldn't have even looked at that. But instead they did, and I I think it makes it – I, I just think it doesn't make sense in that, in that factor, in that moment. Like, I, I genuinely think he botched. I think VAR botched that play by telling us it was chalked off for the foul on Fabinho. Because once again, they're not applying it week to week or match to match the same way. And that's what gives City the gripe, in my opinion. It has not, the goal should be chalked off.
0: And that's the the thing that I found confusing as well. I initially thought that's what we were freaking watching in the first place. And then they're like, oh, they're looking at the thing on Fabinho. Megan says they were going to call the foul. It almost looked like they didn't even get that far because the first one was a foul. Because you would think they would have to look at both, but we're like, we didn't even get that far because the one on Fabinho was a foul. And I understand the letting the game go kind of thing, but that becomes... I think you still got to make the calls when they have to be made. It's kind of like a slippery slope, Bickler, because as you do not call the game, you know, you let them play. The players are going to test you. I mean, been there, done that, right? You're like, oh, then I call in this. Well, how about a bit harder of a push? How about if I slide from the back and push him a little bit? So you're going to keep, like, pushing the envelope, and that's when the game starts becoming dangerous. So you have to find that balance of letting them play, but while still calling the fouls.
1: Yeah, I think letting him play in a match with this much charge in it, it it can be incredibly dangerous. Like just in terms of like things getting out of control really quickly. But at the same time, I think part of that's just going to happen, right? Like you could you could you can call this thing as you as tight as you want to call it. Bernardo Silva's still going to be a a dickhead, right? I mean, like it it doesn't it doesn't matter how tight you you call it. I think. I'm fine with letting him play. I thought, I thought he let him play too much personally.
0: But yep. I, if if you're gonna err one way, I, that's probably the way I'd want to see any anyway. I mean, at least he was kind of doing that both ways. So I'll give him that. Like he was letting everything freaking go in the beginning. Like he started the first five minutes, you couldn't sneeze and it was like a foul. And then he was like, you know what? Just freaking play. And then he stopped calling like anything and everything. And I think, like I say, that can kind of build up to more and more. I realize it makes the game flow a lot better. So, I mean, definitely a good job on that. But like I say, it kind of like gets more and more dangerous as you go because everybody's going to test those limits. Go ahead, gal.
2: No, I just don't like the consistency. That was my whole thing. And but I agree with Megan, and I did see that. Um, you know, they were they admitted they were gonna chalk off the goal no matter what for the foul on Allison. I just wish I understood what constituted, like, clear and evident. I wish I understood, like, where you redraw the line, when you make this play. That foul by Fabinho happened two feet from Anthony Taylor, and he is staring right at it. So, like, they were willing to say that's clear and obvious to take a goal off the board but and make him go look at it himself, and then he'll say, I missed it. That's his actual ruling? Like, that's the part that drives me nuts. So it it just, to me, the easiest thing would have been to just say the goalie was fouled and we don't count the goal. But they create this controversy, these morons in the EPL towers, right? They create this controversy, and maybe they like the controversy because all we talk about right now is the bad officiating in England. So how do you spin that forward? You tweak the calls. You admit we got it right, even if we called it wrong. And then you spin the story over to how the officials reacted to Klopp and all the anger that was happening. And then all the stories come out about the bus and everything else, right? It's like we can't just stay on the match. And it's just frustrating because it was a great enough match between two of the best teams in the world for 90 minutes. And that should have been what everyone talked about. But it's not today. We're talking about VAR once
0: again. Yeah, I mean, it was like a great game to watch. Um, I mean... And honestly, like I was thinking about that. I think it was like like halfway through the second half. And I was like, man, regardless of the result, what a freaking game. Like you're on. I mean, obviously, partially because we're Liverpool sports, but I mean, on Sunday there were three big games. There was the classical going on, uh, then there was our game, and then there was PSG playing Marcel. And you know, you watch that and you can see if the French don't see why their league sucks, you look at those three games and you could see like the huge difference of levels of play and skill and, you know, aggression, momentum, you call it, did a one look like uh, it was like more primitive compared to like the. And it goes back to what you're saying, Yali. I think the refereeing does play part in that. That game was so competitive because he was letting him play and it was very physical and it was letting him. So, so I guess got to give Pasha credit for that. It's just like some of these very obvious goals, you still got to call it because. You're just opening the door for worse stuff so not a lot of time left but definitely a topic that we got to get into we were talking about earlier about mo not rolling the ball people who don't roll the ball or pass the ball noon so bickler let's start with the onus one is it just the simple fact of the kid gets compared to holland so much he just wanted to come out and similar to community shield Charity shield whatever the hell it is called uh, kind of like seal the deal, finish it off and be the one that put the game away? Or is it just a matter of he's not used to the speed of the game perhaps yet to be able to put his head up, see the pass, make the pass, and play a Premier League speed game?
1: <clears throat> I mean, I just think
0: I think he's instinctually a
1: striker. And he's 22 years old playing in the first team that hasn't really – leaned on him to score goals and i think like you know that's just his first instinct is to put his foot through it and put it on frame if he can't um i think some of this stuff will come i think a lot of people see things on tv and don't realize what it's like in real life like we we've got this big wide angle lens of this play right but you don't see how fast that play develops you don't see two players to the right of him making the exact same run, which probably overlap each other. You probably can't even see that there's two of them. Um, And he doesn't – you don't really see the angle of the defender coming on where, like, he gets to a point where if he wanted to connect on that square, he would have had to stop his run and then sort of put his inside of the foot on it and bend it over to Mo, like around Jota, if he wanted that option. But the play developed extremely fast. Both those guys are making the same runs. Uh, and I think just instinctually he thought, I can beat this dude and just blast it. And that's what he does. He's power for pace. That's, that's yeah. the beautiful thing about him, right? But he's not Bobby where he's going to kill you with just a delicate interplay or like, you know, just the, the creativity. Um, he's got a little bit of creativity, but he's power and pace. He's going to just – he wants to run you over and smash it through you. Um, and I think there's going to be plenty of times where we're thankful we have that.
0: I think that first pass, like if he does it right away, I don't think he sees it initially. If he does it right away, yeah, I think both of them are clear on goal. I think the second, like a split second, and that's what you're going back to what you're saying, because this should happen so fast when he doesn't do that right away. He realizes by the time he adjusts his body shape and to pass that ball, People are tracking back. That pass is going to be blocked before he even leaves his foot because they were right there. And he needed to kind of like cut it out, like almost like cut a little bit in so he can like pass almost with the inside of the foot. But like then you go back to the second incident where actually he almost set up Trent, but Carvalho is open next to him. And I feel like that's when it's more about, I mean, he's a young kid getting kind of caught in the game where perhaps the game has not the Premier League in terms of pace has not slowed down enough for him to be able to look at different options and just, you know, just see something and go for it.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that's definitely the case uh, with the Carvalho play. I think, honestly, I think he knew he should have crossed the ball to Mo. And this time he was making sure that ball got across the goddamn six yard box, <laughs> like no, I'm, I I hate saying it because he I think he could feel it. I think he you know Mo had a little reaction, and good on Mo by the way. Mo didn't do crazy histrionics. He didn't do one of his like shake and pout and look like a Muppet with his head bouncing up and down like a bobblehead and getting all irritated and his hair starts standing straight up like guy gets mad and it's like a cartoon figure. Um, but I I. I'm with Paul on this. He's a power and pace guy. He still needs to figure it out. He's still a young kid. He wanted to kill the game off. But let's be real here. If Cancelo doesn't dive in and make one of the worst offensive moves a high-level class defender could make, right, and Mo doesn't turn him there and go in and actually bear down and finish this one. We start today's pod. If this ends nil-nil, we start today's pod talking about why did Mo not pass the ball twice to Jota? He's off the hook because he scores the game winner. But he had chances to tease Jota up one in the first half, one in the second half that were easier than what Nunez was asked to do for him. And he took on a keeper when he's not in top, top form. And we don't see anything because he's earned that right. And I think eventually, to Paul's point, and maybe to Megan's point down in the comments, you know, he caused nightmares for City. He did. And I think we saw, we saw... The raw talent the young man has. And I think we probably saw a glimpse into his best role in this side, which is being game-changing, like, maniacal substitute. We all thought Pats and was going to go to Leicester and literally, like, light it up and become, like, the machine that came off the bench, scored all these goals, and it didn't work for him. Then he started making some starts, and now Vardy looks like a guy who's actually going to help Leicester because he comes in with fresh legs, a determination, and a mindset to score goals. That's the opposite with this kid. I don't think he's got too much knowledge yet in his brain. There's a lot of football still to be learned. But he's got more muscle memory talent in his body than, honestly, anyone I've seen playing up front for Liverpool in a long, long time in the purest of, like, striker form. And I think that's why we've struggled with figuring out how to best use him. And I think we see it now. I think you stick him on the left and you let him run at people late in games. And you hope it creates for Mo. Him and Mo have to figure it out. That's all there is to it. But, like, him and Bobby already look good. I actually think him and Carvalho will be good over time. Um, So, I actually am not as flustered with the Nunez. Yeah, I think it was
0: just basically like people. Because, I mean, like Megan says, he caused nightmares for Man City when he came on. I think the biggest thing that we're going to see is, you know, that game when he came on really suited him so much space. And when you're going back to, you know, what Bickler is saying, when you're like all about power and pace, that's like, you know, that's all he needs. And he had all kinds of space. He could take people on without worrying about somebody being behind them. So he can, literally kick it past them and run past them with the speed and stuff like that. I think that the thing we will have to hopefully figure out and he'll have to figure out and get better at is when he's in a more of a crowded and when he has less space to be able to use that speed. I think if you, you know, one thing that I would like to see and see how it plays out is how he will work on the wing in terms of like the interplay in terms of setting up those triangles and how effective is passing going to be? I mean, Megan is talking regarding his like heat maps I and mean, we've seen him, right? Like, and he likes always going towards like the left anyway. So when we was in central, we always thought, you know, he would kind of lean left, enable like Diaz to cut inside. Like he does. If he's on the left side, the only thing that I would like to see is how he's going to work with Robertson, for example, and I'm going to be able to set those triangles to be able to come inside and let him, let him, or Robertson be isolated with the ball running down the line. And I I think we might see that with obviously Jota being out. So let's get to that part there with the lineup for Wednesday. Bickler, let's start with you on this one. How does this game carry on to Wednesday? What kind of a lineup do you expect? And what kind of a scoreline do you expect? You have 30 seconds and go.
1: I don't think there's a whole lot of room to play with lineups in terms of like I don't think we can really start a weekend squad. Uh, we just can't afford to drop points anymore and be in the top four race. I think the back four where I'm struggling is left back because do you start Robbo off the back of being injured this close to another start? I don't know that we see that, but although I know this is a super important game. So I guess I'm going to go with Samikis on the left. Hmm. I think we're going to see verge again because we got to, and I think uh, next to him, I'm wondering if Konate was borderline and we opted to rest him for this situation. So I don't know that for sure. I'm going to stay Gomez, and then I'm going to say Trent Wright. So Trent Gomez, Van Dyke, Samikas. Uh, I think we, if we're smart, we stay in the same formation. I think we're going to stay in a double pivot. I would go... I would go Diago and Hendo in this spot, and I would go Carvalho, Bobby, Harvey across the mids, and I would put Mo up
0: top. Okay. How about you, Gally?
1: Megan um, says she f-
0: do Costas on the weekend versus Forrest, which also actually like makes sense. It's a weaker opponent at least on paper. But go ahead, Galen.
2: I'm pretty much almost the exact same lineup. Um, I just think that uh, this might be a spot where Nunez actually gets a start with Mo. And I know I just it contradicts me just saying. I think that you know he plays off the bench, but I think with Jota not being there, being out injured. I think there is some call for starting with kind of the big horse early. Um, I also think we could actually see this lineup or this formation be played more in a 4-4-2 with Nunez and Mo up top and actually playing with four midfielders where Elliott and Carvalho are the width and Henderson and Tiago are the interior portions of it. And then playing with, I, I don't think you can bring on Trent and then not start him on Wednesday. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So Trent's got to start. And I think Megan just talked me into it. I came into this pod saying Simicast would start. But I think it actually makes more sense, if you believe Bravo is good, to go give it to you, and, you know, they'll do the test. But, I mean, you know, well, it'll be interesting to see how Pep handles them because Klopp's going to be nowhere near the pitch.
0: Yeah, no Klopp. We didn't even get to that conversation. There's so much to talk about and delve into in this game. Um I mean, I don't know. I thought it was like just club being club, and I mean, you have to show. I saw an article. I think was it on the Guardian or something like that. That it was like, oh, it was like so unbecoming or something like that. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? You can't have like yeah, but, a personality yeah, like Megan that thinks- on the sideline. Be you know, be like that, and then but tone them down at the same time. You just can't have it both <laughs> ways. I mean, Pep is the same way, and that's how that's how I want my manager to be.
2: But, yeah. I want my manager to be that way. He clearly knew what he said was way out of line. Uh, Anthony Taylor actually stopped the game with Manchester City in an attack.
0: I thought that was a great actually, power stopping actually by him.
2: He, he actually heard what was said through the intercom. He came over and showed a straight red, and after the game they asked Klopp, and he said, every one of my players would probably get two red cards if they said what I said. I take this. I will take anything they give me out of this. And I actually think the I know Megan's saying there's no word yet. I think they're actually reviewing it for a real ban, not a match. I think he could get two or three. Because what they said in their announcement is is we all we have to prove is was is this a pattern of behavior we have seen over the last 12 months? And if there is, this is what the FA Cup, FA charges do. He admitted to the charge. He won't, he's not gonna fight it. He already said he'll accept whatever they give him. I think he gets the one match ban, and he's not on the touchline. It was less than what Jesse Marsh did for Leeds. And if there's one thing the Premier League doesn't want to do it's get in the habit of making it look like the top managers get any kind of special treatment or the top clubs do because they get enough of that shit from everybody else. I don't think Klopp will be on the touchline on Wednesday. I hope I am absolutely wrong. I don't think he'll have a bearing on the game because he'll still be coaching from the press box.
0: I was going to say, at this day and age, I don't think it's just its a big ordeal but, anyway. I, yeah, honestly, in some ways, it might he, be an additional boost for the team and help the cause as well, so you never know.
2: He also made contact with the official, and you can't do that shit. You can't be talking to people at their place of work the way he was. He wouldn't let anyone talk to him that way, and you can't—you—you—you you, you can't intimidate people. I know he's got a big personality. We love him. Yeah. If he wasn't our manager, we'd be killing him today. We would yeah, be. Honestly, we I would Customer's
1: I not always manager. right. Now. It is what it is. Customer's ahead, not always right. Yeah, you I, should I, get the fight. You should
0: get doing that. I just fight
1: one customer shift and club fought it. Like I think he got. I mean, look, dude. Like in, in that situation, in this match with that situation, with the two players that were involved, I want my manager to absolutely lose yes. his mind.
0: I think so too. I mean, it's what. It's called, mind you want. one of those like taking a card. You know what I mean, like taking a card in a foul. Oh, he, what it's called he, for, and I think that's what it was. You got to do. He, what he knew what he do. was I doing. It has to be done.
2: Yep. He knew what he was doing. I think he knew. No saying. problem. I have no problem with him doing it. Yeah, but you said they would if, give
0: crap to no, another manager if they did it. So I,
2: I would. I would. I would. And we did. We gave to We talked about this about Arteta getting all riled up and it affecting his players on the pitch. I don't think this affects us in a negative chance. I also don't think that it actually helped anything. So if you think not having our manager on the sidelines is worth that risk, I'm not sure it did. I'll I'll take the manager that gets tossed out of the NBA game trying to fire up his team and actually rally and change the outcome. There was little time left. He got overheated, and he admitted after the game he was wrong. And he admitted if one of his players did it, he would be upset with them because they put themselves in a position to actually hurt the team.
0: I mean, he's just saying what's right, though. He's not going to come out after the game was like, damn it, fucking right, he earned yeah. it. That's well, because game. the difference
1: between him doing it and one of our players doing it is being down a man on the pitch.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I, like I say, I'm totally fine with it. And I actually thought in a game like that, childish. it did not hurt at all. I mean, and if anything, it helped. Will it affect the West Ham game? I don't think it will, personally. I, didn't well, I already said like I'm not I'm trying. not chafed
2: one way I'm not chafed one way or the other. I'm just saying I don't think it's a good look. I I like it. We were all screaming for it there. I think that when it comes out, when you you just don't do it. And I think I think he does it too much. And I think you
0: can get yeah, away with it to changed, a certain man. level. You've changed. No, have changed. What happened <laughs> at the Fan Fest, man? What happened at the yeah. Fan Fest? Tell yeah. us.
2: I, I've changed. I am the hard-ass, cynical one. I understand. I'm the one yeah. yelling at kids for asking for yeah, jerseys. Kelly's going
0: to go slap around kids asking for a shirt, but that wants, you know, uh, yeah. like, Flop to, like, just take it uh, of. So, so, like, so, what is happening with that call?
1: Professional decorum <laughs> while you're on the sideline. I, it, when,
2: when Arteta did it and acted like an ass and was screaming at the officials going at the VAR booth, we all called it BS and said he should have been sent off. We all said it was out of line. He should, we he also said we should
0: have been sent off. I'm, we I also we...
2: said we also said that it wasn't
1: right.
0: Like oh wasn't Jesus! Right.
1: How do you know you're wrong when Matush weighs in? Yeah, yeah that's now I now you know you know. I got a fricking
0: Matuš called. Yeah. It. Okay, let's wrap yeah. this up. Score score predictions. Bickler, go. Two two. Oh, shut the hell up, bastard! Freaking you. He made that call. <laughs>
2: bastard made that call at freaking one fifteen on one forty five on Saturday on Sunday. Um, I'm, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna roll the positives. I think that we show up and we play even better. I think we win two nil, and we give it just as good a performance.
0: I'm going with what Alan's guess is. I'm going with my standard issue three one over here. I don't know if we shut the shut it get another clean sheet over here, but. Man, you started like with high hopes, saying like we play even better. I feel like against West Ham, if we play better than what we do, we will get a lot of goals. Hopefully, an early goal will open the floodgates. But uh, I'll go with a three-one, a comfortable three points over here. Well, gentlemen, thanks a lot as always. Thanks to those listening, following. Do not forget, uh, if you have not already entered the giveaway by going to YouTube and following our account over there and then i will be back tomorrow with the morning gang with trevor over here um and then we'll thursday night the usual gang will be here to recover and recap the game hopefully talking about a 3-1 win thanks a lot everybody take care